everyone, Morgan here. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. So excited you're here. Um, I really appreciate uh, you listening today. Uh, we do have a guest on, but I'm going to get to him in just a minute. Um, I'm going to do a quick couple admin stuff real quick. Um, if you could, if you've been listening to this podcast recently or uh, in the past, I don't know, uh, minute or you know from the beginning or whatever uh, if you could leave a review um, you know whether you like it or hate it I don't care it doesn't have to be positive just you know I'm not going to pressure you into you know giving a positive review if you hate it but if you could leave a review it does help me know um, if I'm doing something good or if I need to improve or or whatever so thank you and um, you can always come find me at my social media channels on Facebook and Instagram YouTube website just search rogue preparedness and I should just pop right up so today we have a, a great guest um, for all those that do know him from YouTube uh, this is Coyote Works Casey from Coyote Works thank you so much for joining us oh it's a pleasure to be here Morgan so good to talk to you again Yes, it's been a while. <laughs> it, we, it has. It has. I think the last time we actually had a conversation other than by text or message was when you came down to Central Oregon for a visit two years ago. Oh, my gosh. I think it was. Wait, it's it's coming on three years almost. <laughs> That's how long it was. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. For those that don't know, we did a um, – I put up a YouTube – video uh, a video on youtube um uh, of our adventure that was a lot of fun um ate moss that was good good times delicious delicious huh <laughs> yeah so there's did text eat, did we eat ants too yes you yeah. you you showed me the wonders of ants <laughs> <laughs> the the berry ants I, right. those are good uh every time i um tell somebody to eat bugs i'm like just go watch this video i'm like i've, I've eaten ants before they're delicious <laughs> just don't eat fire ants <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so funny to say that but it's actually at least in the case of those big black carpenter ants it's actually kind of true yeah and it was actually good and they were just a little crunchy and they didn't bite me it was great <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was a good time so um so anyway uh we're gonna be talking overlanding and um jeeps and uh, survival and, and preparedness and bushcraft and all that stuff i mean you kind of do it all it seems like um i would really love for you to tell our viewers kind of how you got started in preparedness and uh, how it kind of evolved and just just go with the flow yeah of course that um yeah it's, it's interesting and i don't often get a chance to kind of really explain how it all fits together and i know sometimes people watch my content and it feels like it's kind of a mixed bag like you mentioned everything from jeeps and overlanding to kind of survival stuff to bug out stuff preparedness kind of you know zombie apocalypse theory kind <laughs> of stuff and um but what's interesting to me is it all in my mind anyway as strange as it may be all of that stuff really like goes hand in hand together and it all started when i was young i grew up in a, a fairly poor family and we lived out in the country and so that 
self-reliance and independence was was kind of just a part of our i guess what you would call like our our core kind of family values or whatever you know we had candles and flashlights and extra water and all this stuff around because we lived in an area where the power did go off and sometimes it'd be off for a couple of hours or sometimes it'd be off for a day and so i just kind of grew up with with that kind of a mindset but then also i grew up with like the the men in my family growing up were all kind of woodsmen and we hunted as we were poor a lot of the hunting that we did in the wild game was at, at least in part kind of born out of necessity too and that ended up being a big part of our diet was just the the game that we harvested so being in the woods being self-reliant um, all of that stuff kind of just started for me by no fault of my own just as a product of the environment that I grew up in and and that's just kind of stayed with me for my whole life I've always felt like that's been important and I've watched a lot of people as as the world's gotten much more easier to live in and things have gotten a lot more accessible I've seen more and more people drift away from some of those tenants but I've just always felt like it was those were important values and and I think they make me feel a lot more confident and a lot better as a person knowing that I've got a base of preparedness a base of skills a base of gear and equipment and things like that that if things went sideways might might give me a little better chance of doing okay it's really interesting that you say um a lot of people uh, like you you know life gets easier and so if somebody maybe did grow up with the skills like you had of the hunting and just kind of trying being self-reliant mainly because you kind of had to but a lot of people they did it by choice as well and um i've known both sides kind of like what you were saying of the people who grow up and they're like ah forget that and then the people who on the opposite side who grew up and continue to do all of that so um I've known both and it's very interesting some people would like shun that lifestyle like no I'm never going back to that I you know I I have this new life now (laughs) yeah and it's interesting because even the third thing which I think you kind of alluded to a little bit was is and then there's those people that didn't grow up like that at all but at some point in life decided to pursue that stuff and you know it's interesting like i grew up but i've actually learned a lot of stuff from people who didn't grow up that way but who at some point in life became interested in being more self-reliant and prepared and figured stuff out and researched and read and all that and i learned stuff from people like that all the time too yeah, I'm actually one of those people. I didn't grow up with any of that. I the most I was an outdoors kid, and I camped like every summer with my dad and brother. But like I was never into any of that stuff. Like I, you know, I got into all that when I was older. Um, you know, out when I moved out and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I think that both people can bring a lot to the table of the people that have actually grown up with it. You know, they have so much experience and they can, you know, teach these people who who didn't grow up with it at all. And then there's the people who, you know, who grew up with it, but they maybe grown up with, um, certain skills and things, but they have some areas to improve, which we all do. I think we all have areas to improve. (laughs) Yeah, Um, totally. And, and I would put myself, you know, in that category is that there's certain things that because of the way I grow up, grew up, 
I'm really, really strong in, but there's other areas that because of the way I grew up, I got very little exposure to. And I'll give you one example of that is like, I think that there's that dynamic where I think that skills are really important, but also equipment and gear is really important, right? And, and one really doesn't work that well without the other, but they're both, in my mind, very necessary parts of being prepared and being able to survive in a variety of situations. Well, when I grew up, growing up very poor, was really heavy on the skills, but really lean on the gear part of it, right? Like we didn't have access to a lot of the a lot of the higher end gear and equipment and also you know fast forward now the times later in my life there's been a lot of developments and just you know the technology that goes into the design of knives for example and backpacks and you know all these things have come so far but that's not an area where i grew up having a lot of familiarity with now the flip side of that is I grew up being able to do a lot of stuff with really, you know, with a canvas backpack, a knife, and a decent axe, and a lever-action rifle was kind of more of the standard kit when I was growing up. But, but I think to your point, that's, you know, that's, I got some good skills because of my background, but there were other skills that I missed out on or other opportunities that I missed out on that I have had to develop through the years later in life. Yeah, for sure. And so you you took all those skills and you grew up and you kept kind of doing that stuff. Was there ever a point in which there was like a lull between like that life of the just, you know, just what you knew what life to be and then, you know, a sort of like new life or anything? And then like, was there a lull in between using those skills and then you got back into it or was it always just pretty consistent? You know, I would say like anyone, there definitely have been periods of time when my focus kind of shifted to different aspects of it. Um, But one thing that I think is kind of an interesting, and in my mind is kind of the glue that holds it all together is, I've always had this interest in the outdoors and exploring. And so in my mind, all these other skills help support that interest right so like if i really like to go really remote places so i like to find places where i can go spend several days out in the desert or up in the forest where i'm not going to run into any other people and most of the time i'm solo when i do that so in order to do that comfortably i need to have a certain amount of skills and things and i need to be prepared for a variety of things that might happen out there so so that interest, you know, I always, all my life, have always looked forward to the next weekend or the next period of time that I get to head out in the woods. And so there's always been that as the catalyst for me to keep developing all these other skills around. So to some degree, there's never really been a period of time in my life when I haven't been working on some aspect of what you might call, you know, the survivalist, bug out, junkie kind of sweetest skills. Um, whether that be, and I throw all kinds of things into that category, you know, everything from from wilderness survival to desert survival to, you know, building traps and filtering water and woodcraft and bushcraft and, you know, all those things are parts of those skills. So now there's been different periods of my time that I focus more on one thing, like more on things related to the woods. And then gone through phases of time where I focused more on like those pre- 
my food supply and my water supply and my hygiene and everything for the house. And that's ebbed and flowed sometimes even based on where I lived and the circumstances that I lived in. So, so yeah, there's been some ebb and flow, but it's been pretty consistent for me most of my life. Yeah, for me, and I know this sounds crazy, but it really is, I do in a lot of levels on a lot of levels feel more comfortable out in the woods than I do back in, you know, civilized world, so to speak, you know, now don't get me wrong. Like I, I live a pretty functioning life. I have a job where I have to interact with people and go to meetings and work on projects with other people and everything. But, but I get out in the woods and then, and, and that's where I really feel home. Like I get my best night's sleep and my rooftop tent out in the woods or in a shelter in front of a big fire. And I just, that's, that's where I just feel the most connected. I don't, it's hard to explain, but <clears throat> I do feel comfortable out in that environment. Now, I think part of the thing when people think about, then they have this mindset that it's not possible for people today to survive say out in the woods or in the desert i think a lot of that's born out of the fact that i feel like a lot of people are can have they're confused about the difference between being able to survive and being very comfortable so it goes back to your point morgan that you were talking about how we're so used to living in this world where we press a button to change the temperature in our home we you know press a button to make the water temperature different or we turn a knob you know we we pro- I mean, I just, I order my shirts off of Amazon, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't even have to leave my house to shop for, you know, clothes and stuff anymore. And, and, and so that has skewed our perception of what living is versus living very comfortably. So, so it's not reasonable to think that, and I don't believe that I have the ability to go out and live in the woods and be as comfortable as I am in my home. But I don't have an expectation of being comfortable like that in that environment. And there's a big difference between surviving and being uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is not dying. Being uncomfortable <laughs> is just being uncomfortable. That doesn't that doesn't kill you. What kills you is a lot, you know, a lack of oxygen, a lack of hydration, a lack of food, uh, uh, allowing your body's core temperature to decrease or increase too far beyond the the parameters that it's designed to operate in that that's that's what will kill you being cold is you know to a degree being cold not getting a good night's sleep those kinds of things you know that a lot of people in the world today think are just horrific are at the end of the day not not actually that bad you just you just have to have a different expectation for life Oh, yeah. I mean, like you're saying with expectation, it would be a whole different mindset. It's, you know, um, we we go camping, tent camping a lot. And, you know, from going from, you know, a house to tent camping, there's a huge flip of a mindset. All right. Well, you know, I don't have, you know, heat anymore. So we're going to have to layer up and we're going to have to do this. And I'm cool with it. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Cool. I don't care. It can get down to 20 degrees. I don't care. Whatever. I'm layering up. I'm good. (laughs) And and then I get home and I'm all like, turn the heat on. I'm cold. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but I so, think it, but I think you mentioned something else that's really important is that you said that you guys go camping a lot and I think that's how you reset that 
bar for what you feel like is tolerable or comfortable, right, is to a certain degree, like you put yourself in an environment that allows you you to adjust your body and adjust your mental expectations about what comfort is. So so now you know that you're you're comfortable being in an environment where you can't adjust the heat by pushing the buttons on your controller. What you have to do to adjust the heat is either move yourself closer to the fire or put more <laughs> layers on. Right. right. So you and, and now what's happened is now you're not uncomfortable when you're out tent camping because it's cold. You just have adapted a different procedure to make yourself more comfortable. And now, and, and now that's comfortable to you. And I think yeah. every time you go another, another step in beyond your normal comfort zone, you just, you change that bar, you change that, that area where you're comfortable. Don't get me wrong. I love being able to push the button two degrees on my thermostat at home but but at the same time I've spent a lot of nights with my back up against the ponderosa pine tree and and my jacket over my legs and a little fire going there and it's not it's it's definitely not comfortable relative to the kind of comfort that I'm feeling right now sitting right. on my bed leaning against a big stack of pillows and, <laughs> but but you know I mean it's, it's nice the heat of the fire is nice and you got a few black ants to snack on right like it, it could be worse <laughs> yeah moss and ants that's all you need so um, right. I mean I'm really surprised to hear this that you don't eat ants and moss at home okay <laughs> I am shocked <laughs> yeah yeah it's not what's for dinner tonight but <laughs> I think I think there's a a real kind of expectation of, of certain survivalists and bushcrafters of too that you know if you live that life you got to live it 100 percent. and i don't think right. i don't think that that's realistic at all i think that it's perfectly acceptable for us to always be taking advantage of the circumstances you know laid before us if you could go home and you know and you have the ability to turn on that heat or turn on that ac or you know watch that tv whatever fantastic you have uh, the ability you have the resources you have you know um the monetary you know whatever to make all this happen for yourself and that's great you know i mean this is this is all about living life as well but i think it's also you know at the same time the preparedness and the survival and the you know the overlanding or whatever that's all part of life as well so you know sure we have our our life of the living the the modern you know technology and all that and then we have our other life of you know getting out and 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 doing whatever and so um when it if it ever does come down to the fact that you know you do have to go somewhere you know you do have to bug out or whatever well you've already experienced a lot of this stuff and you kind of you know you know what to do and you know you you have made probably an idea of where to go <laughs> um definitely yeah it, and you know your your jeep is pretty much like is your jeep like kind of already to go or do you just like just stuff is already to go do you just pack it and go no it no it's ready to go like i could literally hang up this call right now get in my jeep drive out in the desert and i would have everything i need 
to be really comfortable for about three weeks. Like there, there's about three weeks worth of, you know, eating 2,500 calories plus a day of food in there and water and obviously, you know, sleeping bags and all, all the gear I need. So, so it's, a, you, go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say, you mentioned you had like about three weeks worth of stuff, but you, um, you wouldn't let it, you wouldn't just be sitting there eating all your food, right? Like you'd be like starting to procure the water and the food and starting to do all right. this stuff, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, immediately, right? Yeah. So the idea would be to tap in to consider that, you know, that three weeks worth of food roughly in there as a reserve, right? right. So as as soon as I get past to, to a safe place, past, you know, where I feel like the there's any danger or the majority of the danger from large populations of people, it would immediately begin trying to procure what I could from the environment and then only use that supply to supplement that to the degree that I needed to. Right. So it's really interesting. So here's how my, um, <clears throat> here's my kind of perspective on my preparedness plan, right? So, so all these are levels to my system and, th and this is where it, gets interesting and ties back into the overland thing. So, so to me, my Jeep is a bug out bag, right? So <laughs> I, I have my house. And so my house, I have try to maintain that 45 days ish worth of sustainability and, and supplies at the same time, if it wasn't an option to stay in my house, or if I exceeded the resources of my home, then the next thing is to get into my Jeep. The, the next most preferable situation is for me to be able to leave in my Jeep, my vehicle, right? Because mm -hmm. it, it's my next highest level of supplies next to my house. And, right. then in, and then inside my Jeep, there's an inch pack. And so that inch pack is, is if my Jeep fails me or if I can't take it, now I put that pack on and my feet have to take me, right? And so obviously, you know, I go from my house to my Jeep. There's a certain amount of comfort and a certain amount of gear and equipment and stuff that you give up to make that step. And then again, you, you give up a certain amount of more stuff when you step down to the backpack. But they're mm -hmm. all different levels of that system. Now... Talking about your system and the tier system, which I think is awesome. I think everybody needs to have that kind of system. And I think, you know, um, you know, like maybe you have, you know, your bug out bag, but then from that bug out bag, you have this little, you know, like you can't carry the bag anymore for some reason. Now you have this little um, thing that you can just sling on your arm or something, you know, or something yep. like that. You know, yep. it's this whole like little system of things like you have a chest pack, right? Right. You still, right. You still use that? Oh um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, if we break it down even further, look at it from the other direction. My base level of kit is what I have on my person or my EDC, right? So right. I'm usually always going to have a knife, a lighter, a flashlight, and a pistol on me. That's that's just kind of my minimum base level of kit that I'm always going to have. My next level of kit is my chest pack. My chest pack has enough stuff in it. So in my pockets has enough stuff or on my person has enough stuff to get me to my next level of kit, which would be my chest pack or my inch pack. They're usually both in my vehicle. Mm -hmm. My, my chest pack is roughly obviously in my pockets. I don't have food. I don't have water, things <laughs> like that. So my chest pack has like, you know, 
I can literally survive one to three days out of my chest pack. Yeah. And, th- <clears throat> and then I have my pack, my inch pack, which is like more like, I mean, there's about 10 days worth of food in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, so without foraging from the natural environment, it's about 10 days worth of survival out of that pack. And <clears throat> so, so to your point, yeah. So, so one thing, one thing that I wanted to say that I look at is like, each level of kit, one purpose is that each level of kit I have is enough kit to get me to the next level of kit. Right. Right. Well, do you have like a kit that that can get you to a cache or something? Do you have many? Yeah. I mean, what's your exact location of your caches? (laughs) (laughs) Let me just give you you guys those GPS coordinates in case you ever need anything. (laughs) Fantastic. You're so kind. (laughs) Uh, um, I mean, so you do have that level as well is kind of what I meant. (laughs) Yeah, I do. And that's, that's been kind of an evolving piece of it too. So so just to give everybody who maybe hasn't watched my videos before. So another piece of, so my plan is stay in the home as long as I can, then bug out of my Jeep. And then, but the place that I want to bug out to is really remote. And it's a place that has a lot of resources that very few people get to, but it's, but it's, you know, roughly five hours, six hours drive, depending on road conditions from my house, which could also be potentially, you know, seven to 10 days worth of travel by foot. Mm-hmm. So what I've done is along a couple of routes to there, I've staged some supplies. So if I had to say be on foot, you know, that would allow me to maintain that 10 day supply in my pack and then stop at these caches and these cache locations or places where I could either just grab supplies out of the cache to restock my pack or in a perfect world, they'd be places where if I was on foot, I would kind of lay up for a little while, take a mm. rest day or a rest couple of days and, and utilize those, the food and stuff out of cash. But they right. also have some tools in them, some other things that maybe I wouldn't necessarily have in my pack that I was carrying, but I may or may not want some more hard tools like I've actually got a couple of rifles cached and things like that, you know. So if there was a set of circumstances that, for whatever reason, I couldn't grab a rifle on my way out, there's one out there, or there's a 22 and uh, and a hunting rifle in one of them. So I've got All a couple right. options. You guys for... have heard it. It's a free for all. Go find the rifles. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, so insane all that there was actually an instance where you were actually stranded out 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 in the middle of nowhere essentially right and Mm -hmm. your jeep caught on fire yep Yep. so what the heck happened there (laughs) yeah so as far as mechanically what happened what i don't think there's any way for them to know for 100 percent for sure but what the the theory is is that a transmission line developed a leak and the transmission fluid leaking out of that line caught fire. What the circumstances were is I'd, I'd been on a typical kind of desert exploring trip by myself. So 
I'd been driving for, you know, six or eight hours or something on, on basically Jeep trails and roads where I was driving slow speeds, mostly in four wheel drive, crawling up over rocks and things like that. It was getting close to the end of the day. So I was starting to kind of think about finding a campsite. I pulled up to a gate out in this country where I am, there's a lot of um, just, we call them range fences. They divide up grazing allotments. So I'd come to a gate in one of those range fences and I got out to open the gate and I noticed there was a little bit of smoke coming out from underneath the hood of my Jeep. And <clears throat> whether this was a smart move or not a smart move, I've had plenty of people say that this wasn't a smart move. I debate that, but <clears throat> obviously there's smoke coming out of my hood. So I, I have to see what it is but I've clearly got a problem. Mm -hmm. um, so I opened the hood and as I opened the hood, the engine compartment kind of in, basically burst into flames. I think, I think it was burning to a degree. And then when I opened the hood, it just allowed enough oxygen to get to the fire to fully ignite. So yeah, to make a long story short, I had a fire extinguisher with me. I attempted to put out the fire with that. I, had a lot of water with me. I attempted to put the fire out with that. And then I even at the very end <laughs> shoveled a few shovel pulls of dirt on it. And, but n none of that was successful at all. And, and within a very short period of time, like I would say minutes from when I first noticed the fire, like the whole Jeep was engulfed in flames. And... So, okay. So this, this whole time you're, okay. So you're saying within these minutes, you're trying to put out the fire at any time. Did you try to get the gear out of your vehicle? Like you, you grabbed up, you had a pack, right? Cause you walked back, right? Yeah. So, so the, I spent a couple of minutes fighting the fire, but as soon as the fire spread into the, the, you know, the cab, the passenger part of the vehicle, at that point, I kind of abandoned my firefighting efforts and started retrieving some gear out. So the first thing I grabbed was that pack that I mentioned to you earlier that sits in my Jeep, which is basically my inch pack or my bug out pack, whatever you want to call it. But it's the thing that I have that I know has enough supplies to sustain me for a, a period of time. So I grabbed that first. I was able to grab a couple of other things out of the Jeep, but I just didn't have much time once, once the, it's amazing how flammable a modern vehicle is once fire gets inside it. Jeez, scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that's kind of an interesting side note too, like as far as the overlanding thing and the camping thing, like sometimes people ask, you know, what's the most important piece of gear emergency gear to carry and my answer is a bug out pack an inch pack like yeah. if you're going out in the woods in your vehicle you should have in your vehicle a pack that is all stocked packed so that you can grab that one pack and walk away and survive and and potentially you know walk a few days or whatever you might have to do but but I consider that an absolute critical piece of gear that should be in your vehicle. And, it, and it's so important that it be that one thing. It, it can't be that you have, you know, water bottles in your glove compartment and you've got a yeah. first aid kit back here, you know, cause like in the situation of a vehicle fire, like you, you there's just no time to grab right. multiple things from multiple different places. 
I mean, sure, sounds nice, right? Oh, I'll just take my time, grab all my stuff out. But, you know, I mean, it's it's really improbable as you've just, you know, as you've gone through, you know, you could grab that one, maybe two or three things and it's just done. And that <clears throat> I always, always take my bug out bag with us. And my husband hates it because it's just that one extra thing that we have to take. We got the dogs, we got the kids, we got their stuff, we got our stuff. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm taking it because I'm not grabbing my bag of clothes if anything happens. I'm not grabbing this bottle of water if anything happens. I'm going to be grabbing the bug out bag. And and he he gets it, but he just hates it. It's like this extra thing. I'm like, oh, well, (laughs) I don't care. Yeah, Yeah. and mine's a pretty good size bag. I mean, I relate. Like, there's... you know, Jeeps aren't that big on the inside, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I've, mine's pretty full of gear all the time. And there are times when I'm like, ah, it's such a pain in the butt to have that huge pack. And, <laughs> yes. And, but, but it is, it, and then when, when I go like with someone else, like if I, you know, go on a trip to Portland or whatever, you know, I always have to cross that bridge. Like, okay, you got, <laughs> got enough room for me to throw this pack in there because I'm always going to have, I always want to have that pack. They're like, really? Are you yeah. really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Must have it. Yeah. yeah. And I always, da- you know, if it's not somebody that kind of understands that mindset, I'm always like downplaying it. They'll be like, geez, what's in that pack? And I'll just be, oh, it's. It's just like some extra clothes and stuff in case I need them. <laughs> you just kind of downplay it, you know. I don't tell them like, ah, oh, there's a 22 revolver and some shotgun shells and some traps and some, you know. I don't go into the detail. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's water filters and mountain house meals. <laughs> We're just going to Portland. We're not getting out to the woods. (laughs) You never know, man. (laughs) You never know. Never know. Uh, I'll Uh probably go my whole life without ever needing that thing. But if it ever does happen that I need it, like, here's the thing about a lot of this stuff, right? Like being prepared and carrying a gun and everything is I think most of us, you know, it's not like we live hoping that we'll have the opportunity to no, use it, right? And, no. and and chances are we won't. But it's the kind of stuff that, like, yeah, but if something does happen, like, do you really not want to have it? I mean, <laughs> when, my, when my Jeep burned up, had I not had that, I would have been absolutely screwed. I, would Did have you been, have... I was looking at I was looking at a 25-mile walk to a road that would get another car on it. And that road would be a big gravel road that gets, you know, maybe 10 cars a day across it, 25 miles away from where my Jeep caught on fire, 25 miles a day at the end of August with the daytime temperatures like hitting the 90s. Right. Most people won't just drive out into the woods, you know, out into the middle of nowhere for, you know, 50 miles, you know, without something. Most people will just kind of drive maybe a couple miles out or something and then just call it good, right? You know, because they just want to go out there and, you know, drink or something. But you, you're someone who's actually going out there for, you know, solitude camping getting back to nature you know do whatever um you know because that's that's who your lot your life and who you are and stuff like that and so being unprepared just isn't you know an option it's just not something that you know you would do and right but i think that that can totally come right back to the average person let's say i i think every time you step out of your house 
You're stepping out into an unknown situation. It doesn't matter if you've gone to work the same route every single day. Something totally unexpected could happen that day. And if that unexpected thing happens and you're not prepared, such as, you know, uh, I mean, I've... I've seen so many pileups on a freeway this season. I don't know what's been going on, but I've been getting, I've been seeing news reports and notifications on my phone. Well, there was a pileup in this city, a pileup in this city, and people sitting on the highways for like hours, unable to move, unable to go anywhere, do anything. And did they step out of their house and expect that to happen? Doubtful. Right. (laughs) You know? And so I think that this, you know, that being prepared for stepping out of your house, period, um, you know, lesson could be taken here. You know, you're let this be a lesson to you. Your Jeep can catch on fire <laughs> anytime and you don't know. Right. And, and it's totally that thing where I think like, um, so I did a video of that and I put it up on my channel and there, there was a lot of, I mean, the vast majority of people were very positive, but there was some negative stuff that came as, as course of that and like yeah. what one of the negative comments that was kind of a repeating theme on there that I thought was really interesting was a lot of people would say something along the lines of oh that guy did that on purpose he's way too calm for that oh, to God. be actually happening so people like took my calmness in that situation as an indicator of the fact that it must be staged or something like that but <laughs> but but my 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 calmness comes from the fact that like I leave on every trip. I, every time I leave my house, and especially when I leave for remote trips in the backcountry, I I know, I admit to myself, I recognize, and I force myself to consider the fact that something very bad could happen on that trip. Right. Yeah, you so, don't want so it I'm, to happen. No, no, of course not. But but that's a part of my mindset is when I go out there is, is and I know it sounds cheesy, but it's sort of that prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And that begins in the mind, right? That begins with you being prepared mentally as a person for the fact that, yes, you hope everything's going to go this way, but you also understand the reality is that there is a chance that it could go this way instead. Now, I think what most people do is they don't think about the worst case scenario. They go out based on the hope and the prayer that everything's going to work. They don't think about, well, what if I wake up on Saturday morning and my vehicle doesn't start? Right. What am I going to do? And prepare well, your, your vehicle has started every other day. It's fine. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. But the, so the thing is, if, if you've never contemplated if you haven't been able, if you haven't been comfortable admitting to yourself that something can and likely will, if you spend enough time out there, go wrong, then there's that mental shock that comes. Well, I didn't have that mental shock when that happened. Number one, it's not the first time that something bad has happened out there. But number two, because I have that built into my mindset, right? right. Like, I, I want to have a good time. I want to enjoy myself, but I, but I also live with the reality that I may wake up in the morning 75 miles from pavement and my Jeep may not start. Right. Or it, mm-hmm. so whatever, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, 
it does happen every single day where people step out of their homes and they go to work or they go out for that jog or, you know, whatever it is, something that they do every single day or something that's just so normal. And, you know, they're just, I'm going to have a good run today or I'm going to, you know, have a great day at work, but then something is going wrong and they can't handle it because it's not like every other day and it's not, you know, that good thing that always happens or, or on the flip side, some people actually have such a negative mindset of, well, this is going to be a bad day. It's always a bad day. And, you know, one thing will just trigger that, you know, oh, you know, I, I stepped in something, right? Oh, well, of course it is. You know, it's just a bad day or whatever. Right. My day's and, ruined now. Right. <laughs> Nothing ever goes right for me. Right. So <laughs> now they have that complete opposite of, you know, it's not good to have... An ex- what I'm getting at is it's not good to have an extreme one way or the other. It's it's good to understand that you want your day to go well and you're going to do everything you can in your power. But some things, many things are out of your power. And so it's up to us to understand how to handle those things that are out of our control and out of our power. Well, and Morgan, I think even more simple than that, I'm, I'm so impressed that you said this because I really think To me, this is what it comes down to, is this recognition that more things than most people realize are just simply out of our control, right? Like we have no, you know, you you have no control over the fact that if you're stopped at a stoplight and somebody comes out of left field and T-bones you, right? Like there's, there's nothing you can do, no action you can take to prevent that. And so I think what you just said is very is very astute and and insightful but it's that recognition that so much of what we walk through in our lives is just beyond our control you know really what we can control is ourselves our skills what direction we turn whether we go left or right but you know we can't control the weather we can't control other people we can't control natural disasters and and that's not bad or good it's just it's just recognizing that that there's a lot of stuff out there that's beyond our control and and that being the case it can it can throw a lot of different stuff at us and then it's up to us to to deal with it accordingly you know based on on our skill set that we have available to us and that's why we prepare (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's not and then the other thing you said i think there are those people out there that they go to the other extreme, you know, they live kind of in fear about, you know, maybe they see that, that there's all this potential for people to be bad people and bad things to happen. And, and, you know, so they, they receive that information in a very negative way and it makes them very paranoid and depressed and have a lot of anxiety through life and things like that. And, and that's not good either, you know, and, right. But it's just kind of to understand that, like, the world is just what the world is and we only have control over so much of it. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think that that's a really good place to, to end it. I, I okay. have had such a fantastic discussion with you. I really appreciate your insight. I'm pretty sure we could go a lot longer. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> but uh, yeah. maybe we'll have you on another time. Yeah, anytime, Morgan. That was awesome. I really enjoyed meeting you, and we had that 
opportunity to spend some time together when you came down here. It's always great talking to you. I love what you're doing out there with your message of preparedness. And, and I just really like your attitude about it. I think a lot of people have the perception that people who are into survivalism and preparedness and all that are paranoid people. And I think you're a great example of like, you're not a paranoid person. You just, you know, you spend a certain amount of your time and energy in life preparing and, but in the meantime, you're happy and you're raising a family and you're doing all the normal things in life. And, exactly. and for the most for the most part, enjoying it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I <laughs> appreciate that. Um, tell everyone where they can come and find you. So my YouTube channel, Coyote Works, real simple. I think at this point it's 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 not a huge channel, but it's big enough that if you type Coyote Works into YouTube, you'll probably find some of my videos. So appreciate all the support there. If you're willing to go watch some of my videos, hopefully you'll enjoy some of that content. And then also on Instagram, same deal. Just search for Coyote Works or my channel name is actually Coyote underscore works. Fantastic. Yes, go check out his channel. He's got a lot of great variety of the overlanding and the preparedness and firearms and a whole bunch of fun stuff. So if you're into any of that, you're going to like his stuff. <laughs> so uh, definitely go check out Coyote Works. And thank you so much for uh, being on the Rogue Preparedness Podcast. Um, and uh, for anyone else, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me or uh, Casey Kaido Works if you have any questions about overlanding or bushcrafting or survival or anything like that. Thank you all so much for watching. Conquer Tomorrow by Preparing Today. Talk to you all later. Thank Bye.